Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, everyone, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline, it's got you covered for new scores and odds. And don't forget about those NBA playoffs. They're right around the corner. And BetOnline, it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only at BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. I got a returning guest. He's a good friend of mine. He is the host of Believe in Bulls. It is Nick Schultz. Joey, I'm doing great, man. It's crazy time. Uh, season's over for the Bulls, obviously, but man, playoff basketball's here. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to bet on it, too. Yeah, playoff basketball is right around the corner, and the Chicago Bulls, unfortunately, will not be in that picture. They fell two games out of that final 10th seed for the playing tournament. Nick, let's just start here, man. What are your emotions? What is your state of surprise? I know this has been kind of trending that way for the last couple of weeks, but, you know, the whole season, we at least kind of thought this Bulls team was going to be in that playing scenario. Now they're not in there. How big of a surprise is that to you? Well, on paper, and I remember telling you at the beginning of the season, this was a playoff team at the beginning of the season. And I keep throwing the disclaimer out there. I'm talking eight seed level in a normal, in a normal year. They'd be the eight seed in the East. That's just how bad the East is. But still, this should have been a playoff team, and it wasn't. And there were different factors in there. Obviously, Zach Levine testing positive for COVID didn't help. Mm-hmm. The Vucevic trade, you heard Billy Donovan talk about it yesterday in his end-of-the-year press conference. It changed the entire makeup of the offense mid-year in the middle of a, of a road trip with no practice time. I, I think the future is bright. I think right now the pieces are there, and that's what this year was about. And now Arturo's Karnaschobis and Mark Eversley can trade away anyone that Gar Pax had outside of Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine's the only untouchable player, at least in trade talks. Trade away everybody, and you can get a fresh start. This was the evaluation year that Arturis talked about. Now they can really evaluate since the season's over and be like, okay, Cristiano Felicio, you're not going to set foot in Chicago again. <laughs> Denzel Valentine, maybe you too. Like, I think there's going mean, to be they can travel through change. O'Hare. They can travel through O'Hare, but honestly, yeah, other than that, in the can they? Island, yeah, in can the they? Area. Especially Felicio. I mean, come on. I was working. So I told you I work at a bar. We were watching the game last night and it came on the TV and I hear someone say Felicio in the first quarter. And I look up, I'm like, Felicio in the first quarter. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my goodness. It had that game against the bucks had such last game of the season vibes. Like that was, it was awesome. How how bad that game was. Yeah. The punctuation on uh, it has come to this basically with the Chicago Bulls season. And let's kind of rope back a little bit. You're bringing up a really interesting point, and I think you can help illustrate it better than anyone else about what Billy Donovan was talking about, what happened to the Bulls' offense when Nikolai Vucevic came in and came onto the team via trade. Now, like, you know, let's just pretend, you know, me and you watch the games, right? You know, the first half of the season, you know, the what, they were a top eight offense. They're going to finish the season, I believe, the 21st highest scoring offense in the league. So obviously that dipped down a little bit. They were four and 10 in March, I think 14 and 23 in the second half. So a lot of things fell apart, but offensively though, you're really hitting on something and let's try and explain it to the, to the viewer. Cause if they hear, Hey, the Chicago bulls just got Vucevic. You're like, Oh wow. That's a 20 and 10 guy. That means more offensive firepower. It didn't quite work that way. Right. Where Donovan had this team running, you know, that motion screen game, you know, the ball movement. And then all of a sudden you're trying to work Vucevic into the post just talk a little bit about what went wrong there. And they didn't really have a lot of time to clean it up and get on the same page. 
Now, here's the thing going from Wendell Carter Jr. to Nikola Vucevic. Wendell is very much with that, that screen, the pick and roll, whatever, the motion, everything Billy Donovan was doing. Wendell was good in that offense for the sole reason that he could set a pick. You needed a big guy who could set a pick, maybe crash the boards and score some points here and there. You get Nikola Vucevic in there. He's one of the premier big men in the game. You're changing your entire makeup. Now, you're four or five, depending on the day, wherever he was playing. He's not just setting picks. He needs to be your number two scorer. So you're changing that entire aspect of the offense on the fly. And you're doing that in the middle of a West Coast road trip. You don't have any practice time. That's why that first game with Vooch, I mean, it was it was ugly because he didn't get into the system before. Yeah, he no just kind of got thrown in the defense. Yeah, no one knew right. he was on the court. It was, it was kind of like it just kind of broke in front of their eyes. It was the epitome of Billy Donovan literally picking up Nikola Vucevic saying, okay, here's a deep end of the pool. Go swim. Like, that's exactly what it was in the middle of a big road trip like that. So the entire landscape of the offense changed. And, again, Zach testing positive for COVID didn't help because you lost your top scorer. And I don't care what anyone says. The Bulls are not better without Zach Levine. I don't know. Was Joe Cowley trying to make that point? Somebody was trying to, like, hint at that point. Oh, I didn't say it. No, you, you basically did say it. The Bulls are not better without Zach Levine. And you saw that even with Nikola Vucevic. And I, I think the makeup of the offense changed so much so quickly that it was tough to adjust to. And by the time they maybe found something out, it was too little too late. How big of a surprise was that for you? Because there was, a, I think, a faction of Bulls fans that said to themselves, we're going to hit the ground running now. And instead, it, it was the I, exact I was. opposite. Yeah, I, I honestly thought this was going to help a guy like Zach Levine, was going to take the pressure off a guy like a Kobe White, would allow you to let Sadoransky do some more like of the dirty work without him you know, having to score, you know, help Thad Young out a little bit. It just went in the opposite direction very quickly, right? They lost, I think, their first seven of eight when Svooch came over. It's crazy. And that goes back to you're going from Wendell Carter Jr., which no disrespect to Wendell, seventh overall pick, whatever. You got Nikola Vucevic now. I mean, it is Nikola freaking Vucevic, one of the better big men in the game. He can pass. He can rebound. He can shoot. I mean, he, he put up a triple-double not too long ago just did with these pretty easy like he's one of the better big men in the game and you can incorporate him into the offense I think Billy Donovan's the perfect coach to incorporate Zach Levine and Vucevic into the same offense and that's why this offseason is going to be huge now it's going to be about building around those two I know people talk about Vucevic's age I think he's doing fine now he's showing no sign of a decline or regression he was an all-star this year for a reason I think the next few years the future is bright now it's going to be about going out and getting the pieces to support Levine and Vucevic I'm in agreement. At minimum, you have to think Vooch is going to give you two more years at least of the 2011 oh, that he just gave you, and perhaps three or four of at least that 18 and 10 area. So, I mean, there's a window now with him on the team to get some things done. Before we move to big picture, how would you characterize Billy Donovan's season this year? I mean, if you look at the Vegas number, it looks like the Bulls were, I think, were maybe at 32 and a half. They came under that mark. So, there's plenty of people that you know, didn't make the playoffs. Did Billy Donovan underachieve this season, or how would you characterize um, his first year with the Chicago Bulls? That's a good question, and I don't think it's so much Billy Donovan underachieving. I think he was playing the hand he's dealt, and he wasn't dealt a very good hand. <laughs> I mean, out, the, the fact that he had that offense running so well with I me, mean, let, let's just run through these names again, just because I love just think, think about who the starting lineup was. Kobe White, Zach Levine. Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen. Think about that starting lineup. 
that Billy Donovan had running really well. And then he made the changes, put Kobe and Lowry on the bench, put Thad Young and Sadoransky in the lineup. And he was mixing and matching. He got dealt a crap hand and still the over under was 32 and a half. They had 31 wins. So they came close. And that was with losing your best player for how many games is Zach miss eight games, nine games, something like that. It was a lot. And so that's what losing him in that stretch. So I, I don't think anything about falling short of the playoffs is on Billy Donovan. I think it's the hand he was dealt. And now our tourists and Mark Eversley can look at it and go, okay, now we can bring in our guys. We've seen what these guys can do. We, you don't want to trust a year like 2019 under Jim Boylan as your go-to for like, okay, here's, here's our basis for wanting to get rid of Lowry Market in this fast. No, see how they do with your coach in this system. I think Kobe White is the only other one outside of Levine, Vucevic, and Patrick Williams that I'd maybe think about keeping, and it's 50-50. It depends on what you can get for him, how sold you are on him as a number two guard, quit talking about him as a point guard, a number two guard, and go from there. Yeah, I'm in agreement because I think what Bulls fans really need to understand is I think we made some significant progress in some very important areas this year as a Chicago Bulls team. However, when we're tackling these bigger picture aspects, there's still a ton of work to do. And I think it's fair you can say those things at the exact same time. Give Billy Donovan kind of a pat on the back. We'll also say that there's so much work that needs to be done. Like, it's not Billy Donovan's fault. I looked it up last night. The Bulls are 27th in opponents' points off turnovers, right? You know, they still have that huge turnover problem. They're at the bottom of the league at giving it back and allowing points coming up on the other end. That's something that the head coach can't control. And while we did make this progress, if you look at the splits, you know, the Bulls were 21 and 21 versus the East this year. They were 10 and 20 against the West. So still a lot of work that needs to be done if you're looking to be competitive, not just in the Eastern Conference, but just in the NBA as a whole. So let's kind of move forward and let's just start looking at some of the bigger picture things because, you know, I think the next couple of times I'm going to have you on, this is what we're going to be drilling in on is just, you know, how does this team get better How do we take the step forward? And what are the pieces that are going to stick around? So maybe let's just start with what pieces are going to stick around. Obviously, Zach Levine, Vucevic, and Patrick Williams, right? We don't really need to talk about those guys a lot. You know, Zach Levine, great season, improved in every single way. I think he answered a lot of questions. We don't even have to worry about Zach Levine anymore. It's kind of nice. Kobe White, where are you on Kobe White right now and his future on the team? I'm in agreement with you. He's not a point guard, but again, in that final month of the season, he did flash a little bit some of those numbers that made us so intrigued last year in that final month when he played so well. He flashed some of those numbers, but wasn't that when Zach Levine was out? Yes. Kobe White is a good scorer. He can, he can be one of your go-to guys in crunch time, but when he's the point guard, you have to have him facilitate too, because if you're in the fourth quarter, let's say you're facing the Brooklyn Nets, you got two minutes left, and it is a back-and-forth game. It is considered crunch time minutes. You want Kobe White shooting the ball or Zach Levine? Zach Levine. I mean, yeah. if Zach's not – I mean, obviously you want Zach. So if Zach's not out there, you want Kobe doing that. Well, Kobe tends to get too passive when he's supposed to be in the facilitator spot, and he makes the extra bad pass or maybe gets a bad look somewhere or doesn't look for the right look. He's not a point guard. And I know the kid's 20 years old. He's still got to develop, find his place in the league, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's 50-50 he comes back, or at least I think it should be 50-50 that he comes back because of that part of his game. Go get Lonzo freaking ball. It has been five months. I've been calling for Lonzo ball. I want Lonzo ball in a Bulls uniform. 
That is the, I can't believe I'm saying that so emphatically, but it's true. That's who I want. Get him as your true point guard. If you want Kobe to stick around as like a number two, fine. If you don't get some good trade pieces. I've like my bold prediction for the draft. If the bulls don't land in the top four to keep their pick trade up, trade up into that first round. You've got pieces. You can probably find someone who can take Kobe off your hands or Thad Young. If you pick up his option, maybe do like a trade. I don't know, but there are options. I wouldn't rule out a trade to the first round. That's my prediction. Yeah, uh, I was going to get into it, and and you're hitting on it right now that, you know, clearly some of the biggest glaring needs for this Bulls team moving forward is a point guard, right? Someone to distribute the basketball, someone to take care of the basketball, right? And just help facilitate it and get into the scorer's hands of a Kobe White, a Levine, a Vucevic, that type of guy. And not just that, someone who can score, too. Thomas Sadaransky can do everything you just said. He just can't score very well. And when he does, he's streaky. Yeah. And, and there's no, yeah, there's no real threat there. Right. So you can easily right. sag off of him and, and, you know, there's, it creates different defensive matchups too, as well. Lonzo ball. Uh, what's your thought on Kyle Lowry? Um, and here's the only reason why I ask, I get it. Kyle Lowry's 35 years old. He's getting a little bit older. It's going to cost a ton of money. It's just, if you look at what's been kind of trendy in the NBA this year, it has been, you know, a drew holiday on the Milwaukee bucks. It has been a Chris Paul and the Phoenix suns. It has been a Russell Westbrook on the Washington wizards. And you're starting to look at, you know, are we entering a three, four year window to maybe do something interesting and be highly competitive? Kyle Lauer gets you a little bit there quicker. How would you feel about them maybe going after him? I think it's too soon in the rebuild. I mean, you talk about his age. I mean, he's 35. That scares me right off, right off the bat. That was what I was first going to say before you brought it up. But you're still really early in this rebuild. This is something that Bulls fans haven't seen because of the incompetency of Garth Foreman and John Paxton. You are seeing an honest to God, tear down, rebuild. I think that's what you're going to see this off season. So if you can get, I'm, I'm going to keep beating my chest for Lonzo. I mean, that's going to be my number one choice, no matter what. If you can get him with Levine and Vucevic, there's your quote unquote big three. And then you can build around that with some role players. And it's not going to be through the draft this year. I mean, it's just, you're not going to have a first round pick if you're not in the top four. And if you are in the top four, you're going to get someone like a Jalen Suggs, or if you're number one, somehow you're going to get Cade Cunningham or an Evan Mobley or one of those guys who can come in and make an instant impact. So there are directions you can go. I think Westbrook to the wizards is a prime example because you have Bradley Beal there and Bradley Beal. I know there's rumors about him maybe coming to the bulls, which I'd be all for that, by the way, I just like to throw that out there. I I wouldn't mind Bradley Beal. I will accept that proposal. (laughs) I also would accept that proposal. Like I, I think, Westbrook to the Wizards, they slid into the play-in tournament. This is a normal year. They're not in the playoffs. At least, I mean, they, they were not the number eight seed, are they? No, they're, well, uh, they're tied right now. Uh, so they're technically sharing the eight, ninth seed. And however that works out, works out. Yeah. Okay, either way, they, back, they would have backed into the playoffs with Russell Westbrook. Would you want to pay as much as you'd pay for Kyle Lowry to back into the playoffs? I wouldn't. If you're going to pay that much, I want to be in win-now mode. I want to be... I want that to be Chris Paul who turns the Bulls from a six seed in the East to a one seed in the East or something, or around the one seed in the, someone who can do that. I I think Kyle Lowry, he's too expensive. He's too old and your roster is just not there yet. And again, we're going to find out what AK wants to do very quickly with the players that he brings in the players that he ships out of what, where he thinks, or more so how long he thinks his team is going to take to get back to true winning ways. And when I say winning ways right now, let's just be realistic and rational. Let's just say, a three or four seed in the East, right? That's probably the next step that you mm-hmm. want this Bulls team to get to. 
And then you kind of maybe take it up another notch and be like, can we compete to win the Eastern Conference? Well, and even again, I think three or four is still too much. Get to the playoffs. This team hasn't been to the playoffs. This team has not been to the playoffs since Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler were on the roster. Get to the playoffs first and then go from there, which is how I thought this year would be. I thought this year would be, okay, get to the playoffs and then move up to like the three or the four seed or even the five seed, I guess. Then you can go to the one seed. Now you got to get to the playoffs first before you start thinking like top half. Like I, I would say a top six seed would be my goal. If you can be the number six seed, okay, I'd like yeah. that, but at least make the playoffs. And I don't want to hear if the play-in tournament sticks around, okay, I, I want to see how this goes first before I make any conclusions about like whether you want to make the play-in or the playoffs. Obviously, you want to make the playoffs. Get to number six in the East. You can do it. It's the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you're not in the, the West, you're well, in the East. And the situation is such where, and the NBA is such where you can't just make these gigantic leaps unless you are a team like Brooklyn that gets Kyrie, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. and James Harden in an 18-month month span. It would have been really nice for Zach Levine to get into a playoff series, though. I would have liked to have just watch him. You know, maybe we're, like, in an elimination game and he drops 42 just to stave us off for, like, one more day. It would have been cool for him to get that kind of maturation. Um, quick side note, we are talking about the roster construction right now. Where are you on Daniel Tice? Really enjoyed him on the Chicago Bulls. Going to be a UFA. Tough decision to make on a guy like him who's probably going to command at least, you know, $12 million plus a year. I just don't know if you can afford him, man. I love I love the guy that I keep <laughs> – the way I refer to him to people, that is a scary-looking dude who I wouldn't want to face on the court. I mean, he – he is the definition of just scary looking big guy. And I love him. Like I'm a big Daniel Tice fan. I just don't know if you can afford him with the cap situation, especially if you decide to bring back Thad Young. That's the other big decision. Are you going to bring back Thad Young? If it's me, I don't know. I really don't. Cause yet yeah, I talked about him on my pod being untouchable for this year at the trade deadline next year. Listen to offers. If you bring him back, I guess, or if you want to bring him back, I, I don't know how the contract situation is going to work out. I know there are options on the table. There are ways that you can bring him back. There are ways you could let him go. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Thaddeus Young. I think that needs to be one of the first dominoes to fall before we start talking about is Daniel Tice coming back. Because I want him back. It's a matter of can you afford him. Thad Young is a very intriguing decision. And I think, it is. again, it's another one where we're going to learn a lot about AK and Eversley there, where on the one hand, Thad Young is a glue guy, you know, super close friends with Zach Levine. That's important, especially when he's the best player on your team. He's a guy who's fitting well to the system and the culture that Billy Donovan has created. Did not fit in very well with the Jim Boylan culture. Fitting Did anyone? Well. <laughs> no, not too, not too many. Exactly. Brother. Not too many, brother. And, and, and so you have the situation where you got a guy that fits in what you're trying to do right now, and it's a great piece. On the other hand, however, Thad Young's trade value will never be higher than it is right this very second and we're going to watch this playoff carousel go around for the next couple months and a couple of these teams are going to walk out of there being like you know we miss we miss a gritty glue guy we need this or whatever and maybe you do get that i'm not saying a first round pick but you can get assets and you can get actual valuable materials back for a guy like thad young and it's the same situation with daniel tice his value is probably as high as as it's going to be right now so him on the open market it's going to be hard to compete with that are we both in agreement right now that Larry Markkinen is not a Chicago Bull next year? Oh, I made the comment last night that he's starting in his last game as a Bull. Oh, how nice ability to do that for him. He's, yeah. I don't think he's coming back. It, whether it be a sign-in trade, I don't know. I think Lowry's done. I mean, yeah. he looked good in the first half. Second half, 
and there were times last night we were sitting there like he was going up for a rebound and so like barely pushed him out of the way we're like be aggressive like it was man I, I i had high hopes and it just didn't work out he's too passive and unfortunately right he can't really take a lot of situations onto his own shoulders and, and, and take on that type of scoring role. It seems like he's going to have a really nice fit with a team at some point that has stronger foundation of players around them. Like I'll be honest, if you put him in the Miami heat offense with, with, with what Duncan Robinson does, he could probably succeed pretty well. Cause they don't ask a lot of him inside the paint. There's other situations where that could work. I throw this around with my friends all the time, Kobe white, Lori marketing signing sheet and maybe something else for De'Aaron Fox. Who says no? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that one. I hadn't thought about that one because the Kings, uh, the Kings got their point guard in Halliburton, right? They oh, got I love, I love Tyrese year. Halliburton. Let me just throw that out there right now. I'm a yeah. big fan. So Kobe White in that backcourt now all of a sudden kind of makes sense to play off Halliburton as sort of just that true that pure scoring threat. Laurie Markkinen is just a tailor-made Sacramento Kings player. Like, honestly, like, they, they if they made him in a lab, the Sacramento Kings would come out and be like, ooh, how much? Like, maybe there is something there. I, I'm, a, I'm a big De'Aaron Fox guy. I mean, setting career highs and assists and points this year. Not necessarily the true point guard that I think you would like with Lonzo Ball, but then now the, a big three of Fox, Levine, and Vucevic, I think it's pretty interesting now in the East. That would be interesting given – Billy Donovan's system, which again is going to change with Vucevic there. He's going to, I think he's going to spend this whole offseason throwing out whatever that system was he was running at the beginning of the year and just starting fresh as he's got two stars. Ah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about a guy like De'Aaron Fox because, like you said, career highs and assists, he's going to be the scoring threat. So you're going to have, like, he'd be uh, for comparable. I'm not comparing him directly to Steph Curry, but a Steph Curry type in that, okay, he's your scoring point guard, but he can pass. Like he's a score first, but he can pass. The thing with Kobe White, he's score first. He can pass okay, but it's either one or the other. You don't get both. With De'Aaron Fox, I feel like you could get both. So that's an interesting idea. I still want my true point guard, but that's still I hadn't thought about that one. I just think they need to get creative and look at all different alternative ways to to make the team better. And again, you know, with the De'Aaron Fox situation, a big stumbling block with that is they gotta figure out Zach's money. And whether mm-hmm. he signs that, I think what is 154 this summer, if he waits, it turns to 189 the next year. Yeah. Can you get Zach under, under a deal now? That kind of hurts the flexibility that you have this summer, but it might help you down the road. There's a lot sort of have, they have to kind of sort of suss out and figure out as they move forward. Before we get you out of here, let's just talk some regular NBA playoffs real quick. What, what's got you excited? Uh, let's start with what's got you excited in the East right now. Oh man, what's got me excited in the East? Uh, well, outside of the Bucks and the Nets, really, um, <laughs> I'm a big Giannis fan. Let me just mm-hmm. start with that. Like, I'm a outside of the Bulls. Like, I love Giannis, and like, it's the only it's the reason I have a Giannis shirt in my house. So, I'm pulling for the Bucks. I would like to see Brooklyn's big three out there for like more than two games in a row. That would be nice to see. I mean, I think it's those two in the East, really. I mean, those two teams, I'm excited to see Trey young on the playoff stage like this though. Like that's going to be, it makes me sit here wishing Trey young was on the bulls, but I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of that during the playoffs. Like, man, it'd be nice if Trey young was on the bulls, man, it'd be nice that that guy was on the bulls. Like it, that, I'm going to be doing a lot of that during the playoffs and yeah. betting on it. Of course, out of the East, uh, Trey young at the garden, 
that's going to be pretty cool, yes. right? You know, and so I'm pulling him, for tips. Yeah, I'm him, pulling for tips. And we get to see D Rose again. You know, I'm going to be pulling for D Rose. So hopefully, like, you know, I think he's averaging 18 or something like that over the last couple of weeks. I mean, the dude's ready to play in a playoff series. If I, I start pull- crying, don't judge. <laughs> It'll only be for Taj. Taj's tears. Uh, we'll reserve yes. them for Taj's tears only. So, wait, you're a Giannis fan. Let me ask you this. You know, what happens? What happens to the Milwaukee Bucks? their future, their outlook on everything, if they lose in the first round and they lose again to the Miami Heat two years in a row, I mean, just what, ha- what happens? I mean, they can't really break up that team, right? Unless what they trade Middleton or something. I mean, holidays there, Giannis is all locked up. All the pieces are in place. You know, wh- what happens if they can't get out of the first round against Miami? I feel like you got to make a coaching change. Mm. If you get first round again, I, I think you've got the roster, Giannis, Middleton, holiday, Brooke Lopez. I'm a big Dante DiVincenzo fan because I, I, so I watched him live at Villanova when I was covering Loyola during that final four. Like I'm a big Dante DiVincenzo fan. And I, I think it would just come down to a coaching change. I mean, I, I, there's nothing else really to it. If you get first rounded and lose to Miami, you got, you got to make a change. I think, I think that's the only thing you can do with that roster. And it's gotten to the point where Milwaukee, what maybe two years ago was the team that everyone's talking about and no one's really talking about them anymore, but they're just as good. It's just, well, you it's can almost, thank Brooklyn for that. Yeah. It's the old, well, yeah, definitely thank Brooklyn for that. And it's just kind of the old story of like, you know, Hey, just tap us on the shoulder when you do something. And now they got to go up against Miami in that first round. That is just, that is a crappy first round matchup for a team that probably has aspirations to go pretty deep. And honestly, Milwaukee versus a team like Brooklyn, I'm not wagging my finger at that and thinking Brooklyn, that's an easy victory for them. I think Milwaukee can make it incredibly tough and even beat them in a seven game series, especially when, you know, everything is TBD with the health of Durant and Harden and, you know, wherever Kyrie's mind at is that during the particular day of the week, moving yeah. on to the West. Is it intriguing for you that the Lakers are in this playing game situation? Do you still feel like that they're the team to beat? And how much faith do you have in Utah and Phoenix making a deep playoff run? It makes me really happy, actually, to see the Lakers in the play-in tournament because LeBron went out there and said, whoever came up with that idea needs to be fired. So if, <laughs> if, if, the, if the Lakers win in the play-in tournament and make it to the finals somehow and win the finals again, I want that clip to be played over and over and over again. <laughs> now, would also do my heart good to see the Lakers lose to Golden State just because I think Steph should be MVP or at least in the MVP conversation like that. I don't want to hear Chris Paul. I don't want to hear Chris Paul as the MVP because he turned Phoenix around. Last year doesn't matter. This year matters. And I, part of me wants to see the Lakers lose mainly because I saw one sports book has them plus 1200 to not make the playoffs. Just throwing that out there. I saw that today. I think I read that right. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's interesting to me that the Lakers are in the play-in tournament. And with, with Utah, man, Donovan Mitchell is one of my favorite players to watch, one of the, like, the most exciting players I'll watch. And I think they got the pieces. They just got to go out and do the damn thing. I mean, there's nothing else really to it. They just got to go out there and play their game. And I think they can make some noise. The problem with Utah, I noticed in the, in the tournament, the bubble tournament last year was, you're right, they got all the pieces. Unfortunately, what seems to happen, it's like almost like a, a, a damned if you do kind of situation where Donovan, when he gets hot and starts scoring, it almost turns into this one dimensional basketball where he gets so hot and it's great that he's scoring, but no one else is involved. 
And then in those moments when he does maybe miss a shot or two, God forbid, they can't really have anyone else in rhythm to kind of get them back on track when they need to. So I'm kind of curious to see if they learn their lessons from last year to see if they can play a little bit more of an even balanced style of basketball, which they've been accustomed to all season long. And Donovan missing the last couple, what, handful of games coming into this thing is definitely going to help them out too as well. Nick, before we get you out of here, do you have a finals prediction right now? Um, we can change this because this is the first blush. We are going to be talking again uh, during this playoff series, but as of right now, where are you leaning East versus West side? I want to say, just go with the number one seeds, obviously of Utah and Philadelphia, which we haven't talked much about Philadelphia. And that's just cause I, I mean, I like Joel Embiid, but I'm not sure. Are they going to be able to do it in the playoffs is my big question. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons fan in the world. But my bias and, and real quick, also, they're the team that is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And in the modern NBA these days, do those defensive teams translate deep into the playoffs? We've kind of seen right. that not always work out the past couple of years. Exactly. That's why I worry about them. My heart tells me Denver and Milwaukee solely because I want to see Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's my heart. That's what we, that's me saying there. My pipe dream is like Nikola Jokic playing in the finals. That would make me so happy. But my brain is telling me that Brooklyn's big three is going to finally play a couple games together in a row. I don't want to say a couple games together, a couple games in a row. I'd prefer, you know, more than two. And maybe Chris Paul can lead the Suns. I think mm. you could see two seeds go at it. It's again, first blush. I haven't really thought much about it, but my heart wants Giannis and Jokic because those are two of my favorite players. My brain's telling me maybe Brooklyn and Phoenix. If I had to say right now, I will probably revise it. I will just say that. I just can't wrap my head around Brooklyn keeping it together for three straight rounds. It's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to how how good a coach is Steve Nash. Is he going to be Steve Kerr? where I still say Steve Kerr can't coach. I don't care what anyone tells me. I don't think he can coach. Is he going to be Steve Kerr or is he going to be Phil Jackson? Because Phil Jackson, say what you want about him as a coach, because he obviously had Michael and that crew that won six titles in Chicago. He had Kobe in them in LA. Like Phil Jackson was able to manage those personalities and keep their heads in the game and get the most out of them. Can Steve Nash do that? Or is he going to be Steve Kerr where he's just kind of there while the players go play their game? I think this is going to be where you see the true colors of Steve Nash as head coach. The other aspect is James Harden in the playoffs and the problems that he's had. Those are real. They are very, very real. And I would say of all the seasons coming into the playoffs, he's in perhaps the worst position that he's been in in several seasons. I mean, he's been hurt with the hamstring. He's not necessarily in shape when he is out there. He's been dynamite in that offense. I'm just kind of really curious, can that hamstring and him being out of shape last those three rounds? And I'm just kind of waiting for that time when he shoots two for 15 from the field in a game Mm -hmm. four, and then all of a sudden they're kind of behind the series. And then what sort of percolates from there? If Brooklyn gets down in a series, that next game, who's the one fighting to take most of the shots? Is it Katie and Kyrie being like, I got this, you know, them fighting over it? So I just, I don't think Brooklyn's going to make it, man. I'm thinking it's either Philly or Milwaukee right now. I am leaning a little bit closer to Philly, even though sneaky, I'm you're bringing up some good points about Milwaukee. This kind of sort of is their time. If you believe in coronation of a team that gets close and close and close for so many years, stays at a high level. This could be the year that they break through that first round series against the Miami heat sucks. 
And then to be you honest, mean, with you, you mean man, like you mean like a certain team in what was it, 1989 that got beat by Detroit, 1988 <laughs> got beat by Detroit, and then all of a sudden they beat the Lakers, and then they won the title the next year, and then the year after that with the greatest of all time on the roster, that kind did. of thing, that yeah. kind of idea. And then and then the movie Space Jam came out, so I don't know yeah, if that's, that's in Giannis's right. future necessarily. He's not in Space Jam too. I know that he He's turned not. down Space Jam too because he wanted to focus on basketball, which is I why think, I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's a crime. It's a crime. He needed to be in it. He's a monster walking in the NBA right now as we speak. Yeah. And in terms of the West, I got to be honest, it's right now. It's, it's, it's Monday morning when we're recording this, the playoffs haven't begun yet. I'm not counting out the Lakers until I, I kind of see them out there for a couple of games. I think they're going to get through the playing situation. We'll sort of see what happens. It all comes down to AD and LeBron, right? Those two guys in theory, if they're refreshed and ready to roll, they're going to be really tough to beat or they're going to be rusty and maybe not quite as healthy as we think, and they're going to really struggle. We're just going to have to see what happens. The podcast is Believe in Bulls and the Believe in Podcast Network. Our guest is Nick Schultz. Nick, thank you so much for joining, as always. Real quick, uh, just throw out your Twitter handle for all the listeners that they want to check out and follow you. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I'm usually tweeting about either the Bulls, baseball, or college basketball, one of the two, and the Bears now, I guess, because the Bears actually have me excited. But I love interacting on Twitter. Feel free to shoot me a follow. I promise I'm not too annoying. I promise. Is your Justin Fields jersey, is it in the mail? Is it already going to the store where it's going to get framed and encased? Or where are we at on that right now? I don't have the jersey ordered yet, but I do have the shirt that says Soldier Fields coming this week. <laughs> Ready to roll. And that's Along with my play like Jordan, party like Rodman. I got them both coming this week. And real quick, that's the funny thing is, you know, with the Chicago Bears, I was probably at the lowest point of my life of not, not like um, I wanted to quit the Bears. I'm never going to do that. The people that said they wanted to boycott the Bears or whatever, honestly, they're full of shit and they're back on the bandwagon. Hi, we see you in the back of the wagon. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Take a seat. We got room. And be quiet. But this was probably one of those years where I was least enthusiastic or excited about, you know, getting merchandise or I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. like checking out a cool new beanie or some sort of scarf or a shirt or whatever it is. Just had no interest in picking up more Bears gear. And lo and behold, they trade up to number 11 and get number one, Mr. Justin Fields. And all of a sudden I'm kind of like skimming around and being like, oh, maybe I do want some gear. So we're, we're back there, baby. It's it's great. Let's go. I'm looking for it. Can, is it September yet? Can we just yeah. get, yeah, I just want to see this kid on the field. <laughs> let's get through this Andy Dalton situation. Let's get this dude on the oh, field God, already. Please get through the Andy Dalton situation. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Can't wait to have you on again. Back on Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Head to the website because you know what? It's free to sign up and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Nobody does it like Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got plenty more coming this week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.